and welcome to a thrift shop biography this is the one about jane fonda thank you for listening so this week we have been reading the autobiography of jane fonda true yes we that's have. true you found it in the thrift store yeah i don't think i'd have wouldn't well, have singled out it. jane fonda i know that she cropped up in the michael jackson one where they said that they were really good friends and I remember thinking that would be quite a good one to read. And now you've read it. I read it. She didn't even mention Michael Jackson. <laughs> this is when That's you, how much he meant that, to that, her. Well, yeah, that. Plus, that's how rich her life is. Imagine yeah, right. how much she didn't write about. Tons, tons of stuff. Yeah, for sure. Like, even if I'd seen Michael Jackson through a window and I wrote an autobiography, I would not It would be in there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And she was his friend, yeah. and she didn't mention it. No, she him. missed that bit out. Yeah. No. So before yeah. we get into it, like I do every week, before you read this book, what did you think of Jane Fonda? I have to admit, so I think I vaguely knew she was some sort of activist, but I mostly knew her as an actress and Barbarella. Yeah, Barbarella. Yeah, okay, Isn't... I could have just said Barbarella. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's, it's the same with me. It's like... Um, I'm I'm aware of all of her anti-war activism. Oh, and um, workout videos. Oh, uh, and course. her yeah, of course. Did your mum have the VHS? No. Yeah, my mum did. Really? Yeah, Jane Fonda's home did workout. Did she use them? Yeah, of oh, course. Good. Um, <laughs> and Barbarella. That's yeah. how why. Yeah. And when you think everything she's done and accomplished and all of that activism humanitarian stuff yeah. the fact that most people know her for barbarella yeah, yeah, yeah. which by no way is <laughs> no yeah. mark is her best film whatsoever that's kind of it must uh, be quite annoying for her <laughs> on the other hand a lot of the stuff she did was in america and we're in england yeah but f- and our oh, age okay. as well a lot of that stuff was before our time yeah and in america Mm-hmm. So you can forgive that a bit for us. I also think as well, just in terms of being an um, actress, the fact she's known for Barbarella, which is a high camp cult classic, mm. right? The fact that some of her other film roles, which have been exceptional, the fact she's not known for them, I think shows what a good actress she is because people right. aren't remembering her yeah. in those films. They're probably because, remembering the yeah, characters. She's and the totally film. method and she completely immerses herself in a yeah. character. yeah. As I was thinking, what else do I know her from? I was thinking, was she in Nine to Five? Yeah. I was thinking, I know it's Dolly. Pretty sure it's Lily Tomlin. Who was it? Was it the other one? Her. So yeah, exactly that. Yeah. Exactly that. She's a yeah. morphs. She morphs yeah. a lot. She does. Yeah. She's yeah. really good compared to what I think of her now. I'm much fonder of her. Ah! Hey! <laughs> Damn, you got in there first. <laughs> <laughs> now than that, I now think she's oh, amazing, and this book has changed changed me a bit. Has it? Yeah. Oh, interesting. Yes, again, we have not talked about this oh until now. God. We've bottled it up. So, it's should we start right from the beginning? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Shall we? <laughs> well, the, the first revelation in the book is that her name isn't Jane. It's Lady Jane. Oh, yeah. They called her Lady. They called her Lady. <laughs> Forgot about that. <laughs> but Lady Jane Seymour yeah, after yeah. Henry VIII's wife. Yeah, that's I mean, how absolutely weird. nuts. Straight off. But you know, <laughs> I oh my mean. God, we've come so far away from that that I had forgotten about that. <laughs> I mean, there couldn't be more of an inappropriate name yeah. for that young child. Yeah. 
she really fought at, against at school me. they actually called her lady I mean, that's <laughs> awful yeah terrible yeah. oh my god well i guess you know famous dad the celebrities yeah, historically yeah. give their children really crap names yeah, don't they? they do yeah so you didn't know anything about her childhood did you because i didn't. not a thing so when you read it were you like everything oh my god what yeah me too yeah I, it made me so sad for her in mm. the first instance but she's such a determined yeah. child that I, I wasn't feeling but sorry for her that she'd set herself in stone she coped with the tr- with trauma by almost becoming a robot machine mm-hmm. as a lot of people do and then are so driven because they're not dealing with what they have to deal with. Mm-hmm. They cope with it by trying to achieve and, you know. Yeah, I, I, I think having a troublesome mother, mm. I think it kind of, what impacts that even more is having an absent dad, you yeah. know. And even when her dad, who is loved by the American public. Yeah. Sorry, if anybody doesn't know, Jane Fonda's dad yeah. is Henry Fonda, a very famous actor. Massive star in his day. Yeah. We're talking... 40s, 50s, 60s. I think that his main career arc was 50s, 60s, and then they had the resurgence. At the but he was stage before that as well, wasn't he? Oh, right. Yeah, he was yes, Broadway. Yes, yes, yes. He was Broadway, and then he got snatched over to Hollywood. Yeah. Then he was massive, massive, massive. And then he even went right into the um, what the film she did um, on Golden on Pond. On Golden Pond, was yeah. Early 80s? Or uh, it is early, early 80s, 80s, yeah, like the beginning so, of the 80s. Yeah, and that was really the... Ep- Right yeah. near the end of his yeah, life, yeah, so yeah. and he won an Oscar for it, so yeah, his we'll career is <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Spoiled it, spoiled the end. <laughs> but arguably he should have um won Oscars way before that yeah. for yeah, his other Definitely films. arguably. But you know, Oscars are worthless really, yeah, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. They're just um millionaires patting each other on the back, aren't they? And it's definitely <laughs> dodgy, isn't it? Anyway, that's yeah, another matter. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. So she had Henry Fonda as the dad, a socialite mother whose husband, first husband, died, left her with a child, who then fell in love properly with this completely cold. Well, Henry not, Fonda. Yeah. I mean, who wouldn't fall in love with him? He was so handsome. Yeah. And he was a famous actor. But not able to communicate <laughs> yeah. properly and have any sort of connection with anybody really unfortunately that makes somebody can make somebody doubly attractive yeah you know and I imagine so. you think oh there's real love and i'll change them i'll get to yeah. know them and then it never happens you're what an idiot and then he's thinking that yeah but you know you you have children by him and you never, never have to work again for the rest of your life so yeah and kind of <laughs> clearly does not make her happy and then he, she's not happy no. is she and she's he's off on broadway a lot actually then because uh-huh. they're living in la and he's over on mm-hmm. broadway and then he comes back and he's clearly had an affair and or many and yeah, it's a divorce yeah damn and that's the end of her really she spirals off from that point well she's having mental health problems anyway yeah, yeah. but um they get really exacerbated at that point and she goes into an um institution for want of a better word D- jane is very independent Mm. as a kid right Mm. it's kind of she's always going off doing her own thing she has this younger brother peter who i kind of felt she was slighting a bit in this book she'd always have these little throwaways and i always kind of felt like she was saying he was like a little wet well no they they i think it was more to me it was more like they were dealing with it differently because where she just kept herself in and didn't say that she wasn't happy and he wore his heart on his sleeve yeah. and said, oh, this is who I am. 
and it upset his dad like, I don't want to go fishing and his dad's upset well she went I'll go fishing I'll do that I'll be the perfect child for you was he just said no that's not who I am I'm me I think that was by comparing the okay. two that's how I took it well, it's interesting now you just made me realize obviously um Jane talks a lot about not kind of identifying as a little girl as such but actually what you've just said makes me realize that peter her brother yeah. was almost the daughter yeah, typically right. the sensitive one yeah and she is the young she almost boy. filled in for him because they yeah. wanted a boy and they really wanted a boy and her dad wanted a boy that he could take fishing and do this and do horse riding mm-hmm. and all the manly things peter wasn't that manly so she filled in it's like she really wanted her dad to love her mm-hmm. and so she already as a child abandoned her true self to please a man and that's the running theme for the whole book until she tries to find a way not to do that mm-hmm. and to find out who she really is i i got from her talking about being young though that it wasn't just like to please her dad i felt that she never identified as a young woman at all yeah, even to the that. point where yeah, but where does that stem for where does it where does that start well, maybe she, she was stops. like i don't know do you think like if she, if she was young in 2022 that the people would say she was trans oh man this is such a massive subject because i can relate to it because my mum was really ill when i was a kid and cried a lot and all sorts of stuff and then i thought that was weakness and my dad was strong and so i wanted to be like my dad okay uh-huh. and and that's so that's why this book's been such a revelation partly why mm-hmm. because you can get really confused with your gender identity at mm-hmm. that point unless you actually realize where it all stems from because mm-hmm. then you think i don't want to be that woman that woman's weak which is exactly what she thought about her mother so i, w- I want to be like this person who's strong and that's yeah. a man yeah but it doesn't mean you want to be a man it just no. means you don't want to be weak mm-hmm. but because the gender identities of people are so laid out like that a woman is weak a man is strong you know a woman is not listened to a man is a woman has to have children a man can have a career then you try and be a man but it isn't that you want to be a man it's just that right. you want that life because you don't you associate be with like being that. a yeah. female or being a woman or all the things that society wants a woman yeah. to do yeah, and yeah. be yeah yeah and it, and you don't understand that until you've lived a long life and uh, like look back and actually piece it all together <laughs> which is what she's done when she wrote this book do you know what the thing i love about this book is that she's writing it from the viewpoint of somebody who's lived 60 years yeah, a lot of the autobiographies i've read especially now there seems to be a real trend among young younger celebrities who are like 25 to release yeah. a memoir it's like you haven't done anything no, yet and also you don't understand what what your yes. life is yet and this book is just so well considered it's such an entire reflection of her whole life coming from the wisdom of like a 65 year old 70 year old woman yeah and that, it makes it a st- it took her like five years to write it yeah but and, you can tell that book. and it was therapy clearly yeah. she's actually she's basically she approaches every single thing in life with 500 percent of herself doesn't she she mm-hmm. researches things she investigates she'll go and live with the these tribes or yeah. go she she she'll do everything utterly thoroughly which is why she does it all so well so even researching a book she's contacted people who knew her mum she's tried yes. to get medical records yes. she's actually researched her own life to write a proper book about herself as if she's the subject of a novel which she it ends up being yeah and so by researching herself she's discovered herself in the writing of the book 
and it is universal like she says i'm going to put this all down decided to put it all down because hopefully there'll be something universal that some other people will be able to connect to which i totally did it's not even reading her words or what she actually did it's reading what she got out of it yeah and how it changed life and how she and that enabled her to make things better for loads of other yeah. people i can't think really of another celebrity i don't even like to think of her in terms of a celebrity she no. was just a very accomplished actor i can't think of many other people who took a humanitarianism and activism to the lengths that yeah. she did yeah. lots of people support charities it all seems to be selfish yeah where they're just doing it because that's what we do as celebrities you know you have to have a cause to fight against mm. there aren't many people who actually put their money yeah. where they might put their careers on the line put their well, lives on the it. line i'm sure a lot of people really mean it when they get involved with charities but she got involved with controversial charities that by all intentions would have finished her yeah. and potentially did yeah but she came out of up from under over and over again it's all very well to spot a charity but to support something that is going to bring you down yes. that's going to make you hated and vilified yes. by the papers by just everybody mm-hmm. is that's really brave she had the courage of her convictions didn't yeah, she it's yeah. what she believed in yeah yeah hang on now you'll have to remind me that kind of comes from her dad right because when her grand when her dad was a young boy mm. and her granddad so her dad's dad i know what you're gonna say and it's horrifying yeah took him to work one night or something which was next door to the courthouse yeah and And there was down in the town square there was a young black man who was working nearby who had been accused of rape but no trial had happened of course because we know how historically this happens a woman says she was raped by a black man and they just pick one out of the crowd to make an example of him and so young henry fonda when he's about i know 10 11 witnesses outside yeah. the court they're marching his dad took him to show him out the window and they hang him yeah and then the mob then shot his body as well and that young boy saw that and the granddad never never spoke about Didn't it again even speak to him at the time it was a silent oh witnessing God. and then just took him home that she said it that absolutely shaped his whole life he yeah. never he lived with that memory and that made henry fonda uh, a socialist and activist yeah. to a certain extent yeah. but later on in life he would be angry with jane for the lengths yeah. that she took he really was, to but him. he'd also lived through the mccarthy era when yeah. they destroyed loads of um hollywood's yeah. creative people's careers and lives and banished people from america for being communist yeah so he was rightly fearful for her for, her. for speaking yeah. up yeah so it wasn't like he didn't agree with her sure he just thought it was going to destroy her which to be honest it did and it didn't yeah so we haven't even got past childhood she's 11 her mum's just did we actually say what no because but going back (laughs) like you said i said her mum was an institution and you said that she didn't even know and you just reminded me that when she was researching the book she went to the facility and got her mum's medical records so even though she knew at that point that Mm, her mum had been institution she didn't really know why or what was wrong with her mum and then she got the records from the institution and she's like oh okay everything makes sense found out her mum had been abused age eight gosh by a piano tuner and her and her dad used to lock her mum inside the house lock her in because he was paranoid schizophrenic and thought everyone was after her mum like you know jealous yeah and so therefore locked them all in the house and the only person he let in was a piano tuner and oh my god it's a horror story he just let in the devil yeah so yeah. she was abused age eight and she obviously never got over it 
I know it's people's lives. I know, right? People's bloody lives. People talk about these things more now. But anyway, should we just say what happened to her mum? So her mum's at the institution and she comes home for a visit and she seems absolutely fine. But her, she doesn't want to see her mum, so she doesn't go downstairs. Oh, she doesn't Peter downstairs. went to see him. Right. She didn't want to see her. Back at the institution. She's nicked a razor from She's nicked room. a razor from home and she slits her own throat. How desperate is that? Yeah. It's yeah. so... It's, it's, it's really really brutal. brutal and it's not a cry for help that's on yeah. to end it and then she's told they're told that she's had a heart attack and died yes, which is yes. she goes numb she never cries she never deals with it but then she's shipped off to a catholic school was it a school anyway a boarding school and about a month later one of the kids tells her they're reading it in a celebrity magazine oh right. your mum killed herself yeah and that's how she found out yes and then she had to go and ask an adult, a nun, I think. Yeah. And she just said, oh, a high nun, did yeah. my mum end her own life? And the nun said, yes, she did. And she said, does my brother Peter know? I think the nun said, no, he doesn't. Yeah, so that's how yeah. she found out. I mean, and then Peter shot himself. He didn't die, but he shot himself. He was away on some summer camp and shot himself in the stomach. Oh, my God. And very, very nearly died. He was like out in the coma and came round, and she says, because he was fiddling with the gun and shot himself in the stomach. She says there's just part of her, because it it made her dad rush back from the film he was filming or right. whatever, and he was just about to marry. Oh no, he just married another woman, and they were on a honeymoon. But Peter shooting himself rushed him back from his honeymoon. Was it psychologically just a call for like, attention oh because my he God. was abandoned? They're yeah. both abandoned. The mum's just killed herself. And Dad's that's already just, on to the next marriage. Just on a honeymoon, you mean? You're, you're only what her? It's her younger brother, so he must have been about eight. Wow! And and he shoots himself and says, "Yeah, I think I read that." As soon as I read that, I thought, "Well, yeah, yeah, that probably no was. accident." You know? Yeah. Kind of supposedly. Oh my so god! These poor children. A lot happened to these people by the age of ten. Very young, and she didn't deal with it. She squashed it all in. She hardened herself. Yeah. Disembodied, she calls it. She disembodied herself. And then, yeah, I think she must have had a few years where she just carried on. Just before be, she, yeah, doing school and yeah. uni. Because what's interesting as well, like being the daughter of a hugely famous actor, she didn't like get into that straight away. She yeah. didn't like from the age of 13, 14 think, oh, I'm going to be an actor. This is what I'm going to So many children of actors, it's just their lives are already mapped out. Mm -hmm. She was going and, and doing different things. And so I would say she came to acting relatively late for the yeah. daughter of a famous yeah, actor. Yeah, true. Well, she w went to Paris for a bit, don't you? Oh, as yeah. Because well. yeah, yeah, yeah. she thought she wanted to study to be an artist. I think she mm -hmm. said she went to two classes. <laughs> she just loved being She just in loved Paris. hanging out in Paris. Well, who yeah. wouldn't? I love going now, but if you were there in like the 1960s yeah. how amazing again i just find her really brave moving to paris on your own on her own yeah as a woman as well yeah she had a mother 
this woman Susan who'd married her dad uh, like and, a stepmother yeah who yeah. actually was the first woman who really was a mother to her that she felt she could yeah. talk to that listened to her that got her so she moved to France to get away from well, her well no because that woman <laughs> was knocking around France sometimes she met ah. I think they might have divorced by then but they met up sometimes and she introduced her to a few of her right I was going to say she did kind of really get a social scene going mm. quite quickly when yeah. she arrived in France with really interesting people yeah and even like who was it Roger Vadim, who she ended up marrying yes. him. But, you know, he knew everyone. He knew yeah. Brig- he was married to Brigitte Bardot, wasn't yeah. he? He was a f- the film director. And Catherine um, Deneuve, Catherine who Deneuve. he had a child with. And then Simone Signoret, who is a famous French actress, who really struck up a bond with Jane Fonda. Yeah. And, and yeah. Jane refers to her as her mentor and yeah. i actually is, is somebody who encouraged the political yeah, side yeah. of jane actually in the anti-war yeah i think she took her on her first anti-war march yeah. didn't she? it was when she was in paris that she she heard a lot of that stuff and a lot of french people saying well the americans can't be involved in the vietnam war it's right. really bad idea that, that, that they'll never win it and she's kind of bristling going america would never do anything yes. wrong america, yes. my country's good never ever occurring to her that you could be on the wrong team if you're yeah. in America. Right, that was a catalyst that sparked her Starting. going from America, mm. being in Europe and not listening to the American propaganda yeah. all the time. It really opened her eyes. But feeling it? really patriotic. Yeah. But starting to question that. And and in fact, she says it loads of times, the reason she got um, political and against the war was actually out of patriotism because she was feeling that that was anti-American and the government were betraying mm-hmm. the American people mm-hmm. by this illegal war, which, let's face it, has come up over and over and over again <sighs> in America and in Britain. It's a constant. <laughs> yep. Yeah, they, the American people were fighting a war that they d- didn't know why they were fighting it, and they d- didn't have to be no. fighting it, but they were fed, obviously. Essentially fighting communism. Yeah. It was, a, it was the, a Cold War. It's part of the Cold War. Just It was America versus Russia and China, really, via people's lives in Vietnam oh and American God. lives and Vietnamese lives. Just pawns for some big chess game played yeah, by communism versus Yeah, it's just it's war. It's what's happening in like Russia yeah. and Ukraine. It's just war, isn't it? Yeah. Working class people don't need to go to war, and they're, they're not at war. They were never at war. The people of America were never at war with the people in Vietnam. Like any two countries, it's the leaders who are at war, mm. and we're all the people that get shot dead. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, it's, oh. And it's this revolution, she, uh, revolution, revelation at one point that she realizes that is it just that. The the men in charge can't back down because they look like a sissy. Yes, yes. Literally just like a playground thing. Yes. That is more. actually the answer. Yeah. That's why they couldn't yeah. pull out because they look like a sissy. And then it leads her to question this whole patriarchal society and the damage that does on so many levels to men and women men, alike. Yeah. You know, her whole her her feminist credentials are off the scale and the one thing that she's such a wise old bird. Yeah. Sorry to say bird after just saying feminist. <laughs> um, but that she can look at the patriarchal system and and it's plain to her that it is as destructive to men yeah, as no, it is to women. Because it, it is it about is. equality. Yeah. And both sides suffer from it massively. Yeah. I know, it's really I'm really so glad that she put that side across. Yeah. 
it's really important it doesn't just become women against men and that's how it gets a bad name yeah it's, just, it's not about women hating men ever it's no. about equality equality honestly she is such a wise I know <laughs> like, I can imagine Jane Fonda should be sat at the top of a mountain and we should all be trekking <laughs> to going and sitting with her for like two minutes just to get some of her yeah. wisdom or oh, read this book because it oh, pours uh, yeah. out of it no sit her at the it, top uh, of the okay, mountain okay do that do that <laughs> now just read the book read the book <laughs> okay, here's the thing this podcast is like an hour long the book is it's like massive epic and we are not doing it justice no we'll never scratch the surface yeah. just talking about it there's i was taking notes then i gave up because there's too much yeah i mean where have we got to even she's only in paris she's in paris <laughs> <laughs> she hasn't even become an she's, actress she's yet eating a croissant <laughs> actually so she's in paris but, so she's with Roger Vadim, right, who is a film mm. director. I'm trying to think of how she... How, but she ended up back she in New York. She wasn't at first. She went back to New York before she'd met him. She found him a bit threatening. And that was just a passing thing. And then she went back to New York. She decided to become an actress. As somebody in her circle said, go and see Lee Strasberg. And she, Oh, we haven't even mentioned she's been bulimic since she was like 15. Oh, damn. She hates her body. She And like she, seriously, she right through to her 50s, right? From 15 to about 50. Yeah, that yeah. was... Yeah. And this is why you don't aspire to look like the people you see in magazines because you have no idea what they're doing to look and like she that. And she was like a model first. Yeah. She? she was on the front yeah. cover of Vogue and stuff. Yeah, that's... Oh, well, she kind of got the... She got the Lee Strasberg thing yeah. and then she went moved to new york and started the classes with marilyn monroe yes. who's just in dark shades in a mac that's how i picture her <laughs> she's reading her script just not being marilyn monroe just yeah. and being so scared she couldn't even do a scene because she's terrified of failing wow then someone says you can do modeling to to fund yourself to fund your acting classes yeah. yeah right okay i'm remembering that. yeah yeah but of course, she is very good. Lee Strasberg, yeah. you know, says you are very good. But it doesn't take her long to get her first film role. And of course, you have to say that is because her dad's Henry Fonda. Partly that, partly because if you grow up around it, you've got no inhibitions. You know that that's what you do to do that job. You know the craft. You, but her name is Fonda. It. I think the that people well. would want to cast and her. And she's stunning. And she's a brilliant actor. Now, I'm not stunning. taking it away from her, no, but there are combo. lots of... It's a bit yeah. that she's fonder. It's a bit that she's good because she's a fonder, because you've been yeah. around it. And a bit that she's stunning. It's, it's a yeah. perfect storm. Yeah, and at the right time, you yeah. know. Because she did this when she was, like, 20. Yeah. So Jane's getting cast in films, and she's being very good. Yeah. And she's being cast being good, with yeah. um, leading men, yeah. famous people. Yeah. And she's quite quickly carving out a career. She doesn't credit a lot of her early films as being that great. No. But I think that's just her... Um, well, she's passed a few. When you get to one she really cares about, she really, really researches yeah. it. Yeah. And those are the ones that she gets acclaim for. Hannah, but then she... Roger Vadim comes back in, because obviously he directs Barbarella. Yes. So she goes back to France. After making a few films, what, in New York and so America? I think another French film, a, a different was, film took her back to France. Took her back to France. Sorry, yeah. it sounds like we've like read this and forgotten it, but it's just <laughs> kind of so have. much information. Yeah. Literally, we've read this in the last week, and you can't retain it all so yeah. much. But she went back to France for another film, and they fell in love on that film. Because later on, they were having a relationship when Barbarella came up, and he said, you should do it. 
because she didn't want to it's do a it. real odd choice i have to say for taking her career into consideration yeah. she hadn't done a film remotely close to barbarella no, before no. but he was a sci-fi fan mm-hmm. and he persuaded her it'd be a cult classic or it'd be a classic and no hang on i've got to i've got to intercept our own chat yeah go on. because i wrote something down and it's to do with this time in paris she says I would end up staying in France six years and at the hands of a man who was a master in polishing a woman's persona. I would start down a new path as a female impersonator. That's an odd thing to say. That's amazing, isn't it? Yeah. Because she fell into a proper relationship, the first real massive life-changing relationship, and then, but also f- um, cooking, providing, having people over for drinks, being this whole person. And she was saying she was going to work at the studio, coming home, and then still doing all that stuff, doing everything, trying to be this perfect woman in a relationship. But she's, she w- didn't feel it inside, so she's just walking it through. So she's impersonating a character that she wasn't feeling. I did, I got a different take from that. Did you? Yeah. What did you get? I got that she's never really felt like a, a woman. woman before. Yeah. yeah. You know, she's had this kind That's of That's the same take almost I think. That's another angle. No, too. but oh, isn't it? No, like an, an almost non-binary existence yeah, before we yeah. really had non-binary That's existences. That's true. She, she and, hadn't fully identified as a woman. And then she went to France, fell in love, fell into a few stereotypically female things. But I also feeling that this is the point where she's becoming an actress. And like we said earlier, she's having to assimilate into yeah. that presentation more but inside she's still not feeling no. like a female but she's looking like one well, on the outside so she oh, feels like she's a female impersonator yes, is that but it comes back to that old argument of what is a female it, is it that you don't feel like a female because society's telling you a female is a woman who stays at home and pleases you man and do 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 so it's it's what it's she's impersonating what society says is a female okay do you know uh-huh. what i mean yeah and that's where it gets confusing because yeah. we should need to redefine what being a female is. And well, it it's isn't just evolving. that. Yeah. But it's also going to work as being a female. Yeah. It's being but strong and it's But she's being talking this like 1960s yeah. France. So, yeah. In that definition of being a female, she, was in pers- she wasn't connected to it. She didn't feel like yeah. that was who she was because it isn't who she was. Look what no. she did later. No. She's not conforming homebody and being made not not like really bullied but sort of asked to perf- be in threesomes all the time yes he brought women home she even said she procured women sometimes for these threesomes it's to very, please him it's very she never wanted to do it but then she she's like really disconnected because she says she learned quite a lot about how different ways of women of women's mm-hmm. pleasure and stuff mm-hmm. as if she's sort of from the outside looking in the one thing i get from this whole book study of Jane Fonda's life is that not a single experience has been wasted oh yeah like so true she's learned something from everything and I don't know if that comes from being 65 and and going back back and realizing yeah and realizing because at the time those things which you just think are maybe a bit gross or a waste of time or uncomfortable she she tells those stories and and she's learned from them she says a lot of those women a lot of them are call girls of course the next day uh, he'd be off to work and she'd hang out with the yeah. women, have breakfast and talk to them and yeah. learn so yeah. much about their lives and had a lot of empathy with them. And then when she went on to make a film about prostitution, she pulled a lot of that information back yes. up, yes. as well as then going to investigate a lot more. 
Yeah, so it's not wasted. It's never wasted. She's really out learning as much and so interested in other people yeah. and knowing what she can learn yeah. about them whilst actually hating herself and thinking oh, she was ugly yeah. half of that is thinking she wasn't good enough to please him on her own so and then thinking oh my god he used to be married to Bridget Bardot how can I ever live up to that yeah right <laughs> well, what, what a hard act to follow <laughs> bloody hell I wouldn't even bother <laughs> one one line that keeps recurring in this book is I have to make it better. Yeah, I need to yeah, make yeah, it better. Yeah, yeah. That came from such a young age. And perhaps, you know, going out to breakfast with the call girl to find out yeah. about her, rather than just kicking her out the door in the morning and then having a bad experience that you want to forget. Yeah. Maybe she's thinking, well, how do I make this better? I'll take her out, we'll have breakfast yeah. and, and make it a nicer experience. Yeah. Also, it doesn't then make her bitter. Yeah. Or blame the woman, which is n- it's never their yeah. fault. So she's yeah. always got an empathy towards women. Yeah. So it's no wonder she carried on down that path. Yeah. She sees everyone mm. as human. Yes, she does. It, you know, the people of Vietnam. Yeah. Um, core girls. Um, yeah. Yeah, you're right. She doesn't define. She could hang out with the president or a stable yeah. boy, like you say, or a, absolutely everybody. Yeah. Equally interested in every single person. Yeah, a humanitarian. She sure is. Mm. I think she's an exceptional woman. She really is. She really is. Where are we? We need to... Um, oh, yeah, I went on a female impersonator sidetrack, yeah. but kind of blew my mind reading that because I really relate to it. And, mm. it's, and it's not about it's not about your gender identity. It's about what society's gender identities are and trying to work your way through that to mm. find how you can fit in while still keeping your identity and mm-hmm. not becoming disembodied. Mm-hmm. So actually owning being female whilst trying to have a, a man's life. <laughs> so redefining female yeah. on your own yeah. terms yes. kind of thing. Yes, yeah. yes, definitely. Taking me a long time to get to that and it having the eloquence of somebody like that, yeah. spelling it out and having done research and all the therapy she's had and all the money she spent on it, I can just get that from a one pound book. <laughs> <laughs> it was a good thrift store yeah. find. I mean it's just this is why it's great to learn from other people. They make all the mistakes and we can read their <laughs> books and we can understand more. Just like that. They, they live it. We read it. <laughs> but, this, but this is on another level to a normal celebrity autobiography, right? It, I mean, it's, yeah, it's like a humanitarian handbook. It's, I was going to say handbook. Yeah. It's, it's a self-help manual. Yeah. Yeah, it's I've learned an enormous amount of, about Vietnam. Historical education know. as well. Really? Yeah. yeah. A good biography should be, really. It should incorporate stuff around them but she was she got involved yeah she got involved to a massive level oh god she was risking her life yeah yeah she started the activism right after barbarella which made it really ironic because people go why is she on an anti-vietnam march when she's just be in the cinema down the road she's naked <laughs> yeah. and so that was really hard for her to balance and that's amazing in itself is that she would be in hollywood or wherever making films with other famous actors yeah. and then when the film wraps she'd be on a plane to Vietnam yeah 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 but I think what helped her be able to do this is that she was willing to throw away her film career in fact mm-hmm. she decided she didn't want it anymore mm-hmm. if you if you really live for it you probably couldn't be that brave but she didn't want it which enabled us to be able to do that and then it, it was still there for her when she came back by yeah. chance almost mm-hmm. I think also although so many people are against her a huge amount of people would have really respected her and those would be the people that wanted to see she, in the cinema yeah she said that 
anything through the press because they were absolutely vilifying her it wasn't until she would actually meet the people yeah. on the street that she realized there were people who were cheering her yeah, on yeah because she kind of got the impression that she that america hated her yeah but actually the people of america kind of yeah, did yeah. not all of them obviously but you know when you got a trump vote or anything like that it's always about forty nine fifty one. yeah it's so close yeah. america's Pretty much split down the yeah, middle. Yeah, well, it's like Brexit or here. It was 40, 52, 48. Yeah. yeah, so approximately half the population probably hated it yeah. and half didn't. That's still a lot of people buying cinema tickets. Yeah, for sure. Right, also, when she's working on the film, she is, and obviously with her Hollywood network, mm. there are other people like Marlon Brando mm. who are activists and yeah. donate money. And I remember when Marlon Brando... Um, refused his oscar yeah didn't he I, i'm gonna make this up now i'm gonna i'm gonna get it wrong and be racist but didn't um he sent an american indian woman in his place to not receive his oscar and to do a speech native american what did i say american indian well okay well that's all right but I, th- I think it's really good to say a native american okay because they are natives yeah sure yeah, I'm not arguing with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just, I because I am taking this from my memory, as opposed to something I've just read in a book, I yeah, wanted yeah. to get it right, that's all. Okay. So there are people in Hollywood yeah. um, being activists and, and, and giving voices yeah, to people who, and she's being drawn to them now. I know on one film, I forget what it was, but the guy who played um, the granddad in The Munsters, yeah. she did a film with him and he was telling her all about the Black Panthers. That's right, and he got her really involved in that cause. Yeah. She joined for a while and she realised how much she didn't know about that and didn't understand and if she ever finds she doesn't understand something she really really gets into it yeah she sure does yeah so she's really coming from a place where she's just it's it's almost like personal growth like not believing Mm. what Mm. she's being told she's going out to to find out for herself Mm. and but you know she has this extraordinary drive in her for justice i suppose which i think comes from her dad witnessing this black man being hung and shot she never talks about how her dad spoke to her about it but in in my head it kind of just trickled down into her she saw how that affected him the biggest thing that happened to her the only other thing story he ever talked about was one acting thing his first acting thing that and that were the two things she ever learned from his Mm -hmm. childhood so should we get her to vietnam have we talked about it yet oh yeah so she got really into the black panther cause and really into the Native American cause as well. Uh, she was hanging out at Alcatraz. You know, she got yeah. thoroughly involved in that. She just doesn't waste a minute of her life. Yeah. And like when she's working on one project, she'll be working on the other at the same time as well. And then finally she got arrested at an airport. They, they just searched her stuff and got her vitamin pills out. <laughs> her or vitamin pills. They got her, they did her for drug, They got her for smuggling drugs and it was her vitamins. Yeah, vitamins. <laughs> and um, They were just trying to and, get her for anything. Yeah, and it's being... around that time that she realised the FBI had a massive investigation yes. on her. And they persecuted her for, what, 10 years? Yeah. They followed her everywhere. She actually knew she was being followed some of the time. They fake people went to the meeting she was at and she realised that they were fake she'd been warned people ransacked her house yeah people called on her see where she was she they they really didn't let her be she is basically becoming an enemy of the state because yeah. she was daring to speak yeah, out yeah. against the vietnamese war yeah and because she was famous she got listened to you know yeah. that, that is and that's when she realized that acting was worth keeping up with 
because it would keep her relevant to be somebody that people yeah. would listen to, which is true. Uh, but she was really kind of like hands-on with her activism. She wasn't just uh, tweeting it from her Hollywood no. mansion. She was getting, There was one time where she went, she fractured her foot, and one time she went to Vietnam on her own. Oh, well, that's which epic. Is, like, that deserves a special mention. Yeah, okay. <laughs> special mention. Special um, mission. Well, she went there completely on her own, yeah. on a pair of crutches, yeah. in the middle of the war. Well, because she'd fallen over at the airport on the way. Yeah. But she only fractured her foot because she's bleeming, because it's all very... Oh, uh, okay. And she's, yeah, fragile bones. Oh, yeah. Oh, so anyway, at this point, she left Vadim. 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 Yeah. She realises... Roger. She needs to be more. And she really does kind of leave her child behind with him, doesn't she, effectively. Gets into her activism and stuff. And then meets that bloke, Ted. And that's who... I think she was a single for maybe two years or something. And met him, and he's a, a real famous, well-spoken activist. That's all he is. A brilliant activist. Sexy activist. Yeah. Sexy Irishman. <laughs> Activist. <laughs> Irishman? I think he had Irish roots. He had, oh, did he? Yeah, he had drunk Irish roots. Tim. What? There's a Ted and Tom? a Tim. Tom! Tom. <laughs> <laughs> so hang on, who are we talking about now? Tom, the second husband. Tom. She meets Tom, can't remember his surname. Jane, you've had to... <laughs> Tom. There's a whole chapter called Tom. Tom! Well, yeah, you, you don't need a surname. I wrote it Tom down. Hayden. Tom Hayden. Tom Hayden. Tom Hayden. Yeah. yeah. And, and then they met, and then they didn't meet for a while, and yeah. then their paths crossed again. Yeah. And it's and just they, the right time. Yeah, just the right time, and they really hit it off. Yeah. Both being incredibly sexy activists, yes, as yes. you would. And she'd already you know. toned her life down a bit, even though he still thought it was really fancy. And so he kind of persuaded her to tone it down even more, and they pretty much lived in a down-and-out commune. Ten years or something they spent there, and they had a kid together at some point. Troy. Troy. Is that Tom's yes, son? Yes, yeah. Yes. At that, around that time, very early in their relationship, about three months in, she gets asked if she'll go to Vietnam to visit the people of Vietnam yeah. and be shown round. And she goes on her own. Mm-hmm. And she really gets to see what's happening in Vietnam, even though, oh my God, she talks about flying in to Vietnam and the, and the, yeah, there's actual American yeah, bombers in the air all so around them. So they have them. to divert they the plane divert. she's on. They're yeah. actually in the she's air. She's in the war zone. With bomb- bombing happening yeah. from her country's planes yes. around her. Yes. And then later on she finds out that it's a tactic of the Americans to bomb whilst there's an international flight flying in because they know that the anti-aircraft won't shoot. Right. So yeah. that's why oh, that was gosh. happening. She's but she said that yeah. they also... Oh, one of the things she discovered was that when the American planes were flying back, any unused bombs they had, they would still drop them yeah. to get rid of them and they were bombing yeah. churches and yeah. hospitals yeah. and schools. And she found out about that. And she's, you know, she's a photojournalist at this point and she's yeah. going and she's taking photos, yeah. recording evidence of these American crimes in a war that should not be happening. Yeah. But America is being told that it has to happen. Yeah. It's a worthy oh, fight. and that they're doing it humanely. This is just depressing to talk about because this is today's news. Yeah. It's last year's news. It's yeah. all wars we've been involved in, Britain and America, for our lifetimes have been as bad as this. And which Hollywood film star is getting on a plane now right into the middle of the war zone and taking photos and putting their life at risk? 
I'm guessing none. None. Right. <laughs> no, yeah, no, sorry, there was none. <laughs> or is there, is it Tom Cruise? No. No, no it just no, shows no, you no, how, no. because I can't imagine anyone doing it. Uh, yeah. Which makes Jane Fonda all the more remarkable. It is amazing. It's amazing. She does say she probably shouldn't have gone on her own, which is true. <laughs> but the scrapes she gets herself into, like that, that she's in that village and, and there's an air raid. Oh, yes, oh. and they the little girl grabs her and they dive into a crater together that they can That's barely a one fit person in. crater and she she's pulls got a school a, bag she pulls a little wicker lid over them or something yeah, while the bombs are going her. off around yeah. them and she says this little girl's face is just looking after her and everybody she says she's so embarrassed saying american because her country's bombing them and they all just say Oh no, we love you. It's not your fault. Yes. It's your country's fault. It's yes. your president's fault. We don't hold it against you personally. Yeah, because Jane Fonda, I think, says to one of them, "Oh, these are the American craters," yeah. and they say, "Well, no, we don't think of them as American craters. They are Johnson's craters. They are the, the president's, president's craters. craters." And she's just so humbled by it. F. That's what yeah. the Vietnamese people were thinking. They yeah. were feeling yeah. sorry for America because they knew America was being lied to. Yeah, yeah, and, and their, their people were dying. Their people. were Dying. And then it's, there's just so much more that she deals with because Agent Orange, all that stuff that we oh now know God, so much yeah. about, wasn't being was being denied. All the soldiers that were coming back absolutely traumatised. Oh my God! Some of the stories she talks about, like that soldier that just tells her, "I killed a, oh a boy," and he can't God, even say I it, know. and he just looks well, like, I, "I killed a boy," and he's like, "He's got to live with that yeah. for the rest of his life." Yeah. And he, he never had to kill anyone. No, and that's one of a million stories yes. that she's heard in person yes. from these people. Who, you know... Um, some of the things they did and they now realise they shouldn't have done and they've got to live with themselves and they're being neglected when they got back. One, completely abandoned. One thing which really stuck out to me in this book because she talks about people who are pro-war and people who are anti-war and um, after talking to a huge amount of people she said what was one thing that really stuck with her is how people who are anti-war care so much more about the welfare of the yeah. soldiers when they come home than the people yeah. who are pro-war that's right fuck yeah, oh, yeah. the whole business of war, the theatre of war it, yeah. it's despicable I know can I just do go back to one more quote when she was in Hanoi um, a theatre company because well, she's obviously an American actress they wanted her to come and see the play and they did uh, Arthur Miller or My Sons yeah. it says the play ends and we all have our pitch taken together then I asked the director why the troupe has chosen to take this particular play on tour here is his answer this play shows us that there are bad Americans and good Americans. We must help our people distinguish between the two. We are a small country. We cannot afford to let our people hate the American people. One day the war will be over and we must be friends. Amazing. That's coming from From Vietnam. the victims. <laughs> yeah. I know. Yeah. That They can teach us so yeah, much. Yeah. Oh, Jane Fonda can teach you so yeah, much. Yeah, so here we go. <laughs> because... No, but yeah. literally, she's done the groundwork from such a broad, you know, she's talked to, and she puts the best bits, the most, yeah, into this book, and it's it's incredibly, it's a really good way into learning 
broad amount of stuff about America around that time. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we, you and I can sit. I mean, we are sitting here yeah. saying what a legend Jane Fonda is. I don't think we should gloss she's over the fact she was vilified she in America. Was, yeah. But then, <laughs> I mean, it's so bad. She, this one thing happens to her, and everyone's singing. She laughs. She sits down. They photograph her, and she doesn't realise she sat on a seat of an oh anti-aircraft gun. Yeah, and she li- really doesn't realise. And that picture, it makes her look like yeah, she's she's mocking. Against against america she might be gunning down american planes and it's just a photo that's haunted her yeah she's there's reasons she's been vilified they're quite clever at twisting things she says i kind of get as well she's she's so her conviction is so strong that i get there's not many parts of her life that she regrets i think sitting on the anti-aircraft gun i think she's seriously that's a big one yeah that's the biggest one i'd say yeah which isn't that bad considering some of the things yeah it's such a shame because they she just gave them what they wanted to turn half of the country just who were already not with her to turn them completely against her Uh, this book has just been such a history lesson it really has it really has because vietnam i mean because we're obviously we're english it's um, yeah it's just something that it's happened. No, 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 something films are made out of. Yeah, it's films for us. It, yeah. I mean, you know, we, we were all involved in the Second World War, but it's for us, it's it's something a bit remote. She's like the war correspondent. Yeah. I yeah. mean, presumably there must have been other people, like journalists and stuff out there. Yeah, I mean, but, to be honest, I've never researched the yeah. Vietnam War, nor would I have sought to have accidentally it came across Jane it. Fonda. Well, then her, work, her work is done like it is, it is done. 40 years later. She's yeah. still reaching people yeah. with the stuff she she's found out in vietnam yeah she's massively just reached both of us with all of her causes and educated us about yeah which is brilliant i'm glad to be educated about yeah, these things I know. it's been so thought-provoking yeah i've had my head full of it this week and it won't go away it will never ever leave me what she's taught me man it's just that propaganda that a country is told when they're at war as well we kind of all yeah. know it that it's just the leaders who are yeah. at war and we're all getting blown up. It's like she but, said, it's the same sort of thing as when we were told about the weapons of mass destruction. Yeah. But the difference is now is that we don't believe them anymore. Well, no, you say we don't believe oh. them anymore, but half the country do. Half do, but I think a hell of a lot more didn't. You know, it was all over the news at the time, are they making it up? Whereas, you know, she was leading the first... Well, she was not leading. She joined the voices that were small mm-hmm. in saying this is wrong. Now there's about 50-50 always saying no, massive protests, blah, blah, blah. But then you didn't really question America. You know, yeah. they hadn't ever really been... Well, and don't forget, questioned. like, when Vietnam was going on, we didn't have things like the internet and social media. People got their yeah, information exactly. from the television and the newspaper yeah. and the radio and that was so controlled by yeah. the people in charge yeah, exactly that they they would be told what they wanted yeah, yeah. and yeah. i can imagine that jane fonda was a massive pain in the ass to yeah. all of them yeah i'm glad she was yeah me too and um but you're right they went after her yeah they definitely they did. stalked her they tracked She's her they... she didn't get shot yeah Actually, it's a bit of a miracle she wasn't assassinated. Yeah. But then, you know, there's that point where she says she went to this town to make a film and the people found out she was coming, so they really protested. So she said, right, I'm going to call together all of the um, veterans. Oh, yeah. Um, and we'll talk it out. And they were all really against her, saying, you're against us, you're against America. And they were veterans. And they were angry. And she got them in a room and they talked for like two hours. They cried together. Yeah. She listened to their stories. She listened to what had happened. 
she told them about what she'd witnessed. It changed their lives. They absolutely jumped ship and joined yeah. Team Fonda. They said I, they felt heard for the first time. Somebody listened to their stories. I think they also found some common ground in that she was anti-war and they were pro-war. Both sides kind of agreed. It was in nobody's interest. Who was sat in that room, the war was in none of their interests. Yeah. And I think that's how they kind of bridged the gap. And uh, they were also surprised because she called this meeting... She turned up on her own. She turned up on her own. Completely and alone. And it really threw them. They yeah. expected her to come in. With an entourage with, yeah. and makeup. I don't know, or security. Yeah. She's completely alone. Yeah. She's just a woman. She's yeah. not a star. And she wants to hear their stories. That is amazing. Oh, but do you know what else as well? I remember her amazing. saying that while she was doing all of her activism, obviously she was making films in between. Yeah. And she would turn up on film sets and about oh, to walk yeah. onto set and somebody would hang like Ku Klux Klan yeah. banner up. Just, just so people who were in the film industry yeah. working alongside yeah. her were totally yeah. kind of well, bullying her, yeah. <laughs> really. And she kept going. She kept going. Yeah. That, that, that's what this book should be called. Yeah. This book is called My Life So Far. It Cry should be on. called I Kept Going. Yeah. Because <laughs> she did. Yeah. yeah. Should we talk about her acting a bit? Yes. Because we... It flips back and forth. Every now and then she goes, oh, I'm back, I'm doing a film. You're like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's a bit of easy stuff for a minute because this is really heavy. She, she has a, a, a fractious relationship with her dad, yeah. right? Um, and then... On Golden Pond yeah. happens with her dad and Catherine Hepburn, and she says that Catherine Hepburn kind of. Di- I love all the bits yeah, about Catherine it's really Hepburn. Good. She's <laughs> such a character, isn't yeah. she? And kind of like saying the first thing she ever says to Jane Fonda is, "I don't like you." Yeah, points <laughs> her finger and goes, "I don't like you." <laughs> it's fantastic. And Jane Fonda kind of has no idea quite why. Yeah, and it's because she hasn't turned up to their first meeting, and it seems disrespectful. She guesses. Yeah. <laughs> But then she realises it's kind of Catherine Hepburn's way of saying, I'm at the top of the pecking order. Yeah. Even though you have one Oscar, I yeah. have two. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. I think, I mean, she would say that Catherine Hepburn would, she'd say, do you want to come over to my house in the afternoon? And Catherine Hepburn would give Jane Fonda line reading. Yeah, yeah. That's, <laughs> Jane Fonda, who already has 20 films and an Oscar. Yeah. She had two Oscars. Did she Catherine have two Hepburn Oscars? Had three. three, right? I love that. I love that somebody with three Oscars is giving somebody with two Oscars. Yeah line readings (laughs) that's amazing there's a part where Jane Fonda's character has to do a backflip off a a jetty or something and Catherine Hepburn says to her oh you're going to be doing the backflip Jane and Jane Fonda had no intention of doing it she had a stunt double lined up (laughs) she had a stunt double lined up and because Catherine Hepburn said that she's like right I have to do it I mean so she remembered that she'd had to do some dive in some film and she was amazing so she was like of course I am. Of course I am, Catherine. <laughs> oh, shit. And she had to practice for a month. Yeah, she really practiced doing this. She had a fear bit. of backward flips, basically. Yeah, no, she did, but she did it. And then they had to reshoot it, didn't they? Because yeah. the lighting wasn't right. And then she only had one chance to do it again. And, she and it did was it, freezing but, cold yeah. by then. It was autumn. Yes. But it wasn't as good as her <laughs> first one. But she did, she, did, she, did it. she did all of that. Months of training because Catherine Hepburn. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. said to her you're doing the backflip aren't you yeah she can't let that her beat her hilarious and what's amazing about on golden pond and you know what this whole book is just so amazing i'm an, i'm not afraid to say that i got a tear yeah. when they were all at the oscars yeah and henry fonda won his first oscar yeah. 
for On Golden Point and Catherine Hepburn won Best Oscar. Yeah. So she now has four Oscars. Yeah, she Jane says, Fonda you'll never two. catch me now. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, they're both just happy for each other. And Jane Fonda basically gave them that. Yeah, she, she made that she film made happen. That she happen. produced it. Yeah. She, she wanted her dad yeah. to be amazing in something. Yeah. Knowing he was getting near the end of his life. <sighs> yeah. And also, it's pretty autobiographical. I mean, her character trying to get close to her own dad yeah. was she sort of thought if she made that film it might break through something with her dad and it didn't at yeah, all I know but or did it on some level you know I think he came from a generation who finds it yeah. hard to address those things and talk yeah, about those so things deep down he might have oh somebody said to her oh who was it somebody said to her and I can't remember it was after her dad died or while he was still alive they no, used to talk about her all the time. It was the nurse. It was a nurse after yeah. her dad didn't. I think she missed. She spent a lot of time with her dad when he was dying. Yeah. But she missed when the time the came. Final. She missed it by a few minutes. Yeah. And the nurse said to her, "I'm going to get away." He said that he talked. She he talked about her a lot, yeah. and he was so That's proud right. of yeah. her. Yeah. But he couldn't. Couldn't say, couldn't it, to say it to her. Couldn't say it to her. So, yeah. but she she knew. But she did. She did. She did. He didn't express it, but he he did love her. Yeah. You know what? We haven't even talked about a home keep fit video. We haven't talked about anything. We, we've talked about nothing. Haven't even talked we about haven't nine even to five. <laughs> yeah, we haven't even talked about that. Now that's an uplifting one. I love as well how she's always kind of been a bit subversive. She's always been sticking it to the man, even mm-hmm. kind of in her films where, well, like Nine to Five. I know this is exactly about sticking it to the man, but it's done in a light-hearted, comedic oh, way. So she's yes. getting that across. But oh, we must mention this because. When she realises that she can change things, she starts developing her own films. So she actually develops a film about the Vietnam War, can't remember what it's called now, that shows a Vietnam vet coming home mm-hmm. and she's the wife and the two different sides of that. And it w- was huge and really made people understand the war. And then when she got into feminism, she wrote 9 to 5. She got, she got somebody on board to get behind it and then they interviewed tons of workers females and got all their stories about all the abuse and all the chasing around the office and all the ways that the blokes had just come from below them and just shot beyond them even though they could do the job the disparities in wages all of that stuff gathered all the stories and then they asked the women what would you do to your boss if you could and it was hilarious and they (laughs) said yeah I'll tell you what we'd do and then the whole concept was put together and she was behind it and then she said, I've got to get Dolly. She, was just, well, she said they'd been to see Lily Tomlin's one-woman play yeah, on Broadway. Right. And then Jane Fonda's like, right, we have oh, to get Lily yeah. for this film. And then when they were driving home, Dolly, Dolly came was on the, on the radio. radio and she and like, let's the, get Dolly yeah. Parton. Brilliant. Yeah, amazing. History is made. And they both agreed to do it. Lifelong friends made. Yeah. Amazing friendships, clearly. you know, and That is credited for changing people's perception of women in the workplace because it was delivered through comedy but before that people would be saying is it or isn't it sexist in the workplace after that no one questioned it they just said what we're going to do about it so it was just once that was out there it was acknowledged especially because it was humorous that that's what went on and that's through today's lens it's hard to imagine how radical that would have been at the end of the 1970s or 1980 You've nabbed somebody's the zeitgeist. You changed it with a comedy yeah. film with 
Dolly Parton in. Dolly Parton. <laughs> um, I do just want to mention the way she practically single-handedly invented the home video. <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. He's actually amazing. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't realise the extent the, the of the impact. popularity. Yeah. So she was, again, I think, was she dealing with her body issues when one of her friends said, oh, you need to try this new thing, like yeah. aerobics. And so she went to a few classes. Yeah. And actually then when she went on location for a film somewhere... Yeah. in another country she started taking classes yeah, yeah, in the yeah. local village hall and women would come yeah, yeah 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 women would come and take the jane fonda workout class in a village hall somewhere mm. uh, remote so she really got into it and she mm. had this friend called leslie who kind of started the routines and mm. and developed the routines then through meetings with other people somebody oh she did a book she did a book first yeah, right, right with her exercises which was a hit and then i think she made audio cassettes she. with the music and the instruction and then somebody said yeah. home video is the next big thing she didn't really have a concept of it like why would anybody want to buy a movie yeah. that you would watch once the mm. home video thing anyway and she didn't know anyone who even had a video no, player yeah. Nobody she knew. It was that early in video. Yeah. The Jane Fonda home workout videotape is credited with the home video boom because people wanted the workout tape, but they didn't have the VCR yeah. to play it on. So they went out in their hundreds of thousands and bought the, the, vid the VCR player. machine, yeah. the player. And then, then obviously, they're doing their Jane Fonda workout every day, but yeah. then they're going and buying other tapes and movies to yeah, watch her yeah. at home. So she revolutionised yeah. that. Because she said before that, people didn't need to buy a video because they only wanted to watch film once, so yeah. they were just renting them. Yeah. But then, yeah, you obviously want to do a workout every day. Yeah. And she literally is responsible yeah. for videos taking off. And of course she made a mint. Oh my god, she made a mint. A mint. To the point where when she's with Ted Turner. Ted. <laughs> yeah. She is self sufficient financially with a billionaire. Right, yeah, yeah, she yeah. She can keep up with him because wow. she because of the video games. Yeah. Must be. She must video games. <laughs> yeah, video <laughs> tapes. Now the thing generation. that surprised me about this coupling up with Ted, who's a very yeah. dashing older yes. gent, by the way. Mm. And I don't know why this comes as a surprise, but Jane Fonda, who's kind of almost been everything in her life up to this mm -hmm. point. She's been an actor, she's been a humanitarian, she's been an anti war activist, she's yeah. done everything. Yeah, she's she's been lived Barbarella. in France, she's been Barbarella. <laughs> Who else could say that? <laughs> um, she decides she wants to be a wife to this man. Yeah. And her I kids know. almost hate her for wife. it. Yeah. Like, like giving give everything, everything up. up. And <laughs> it's and unbelievable. Yes. You kind of read this book and go, hey? Yes. Really? But I kind of, she justifies yeah, okay. it by saying that she wants that experience. Well, she, she, yeah, she wants to experience everything. She always thinks something's wrong with her and she hasn't managed to achieve true intimacy with a person. Although, yeah. When I flick back through it all to make notes, I realise that every new relationship she goes, it was so erotic, it was so intimate, it was so... And you're like... What, she's been there, done She that. has had it. It's just that it hasn't... She doesn't know how to make it last, or she's had it in various ways. Perhaps it's more about her com it's coming... Journey. Yeah, in terms with herself it hating is, it her... It is about She was, like, bulimic until like, the age yeah. of, like, 55 or whatever. yeah. And perhaps she was not comfortable in herself and her own body to purely appreciate it's the intimacy. Her. Yeah, it's about maybe. her. Because I know it, obviously, it's not just physical intimacy, it's mental. But she she had that amazing connection with um, Ted. 
Yes. Uh, because they were both political and they talked and it's like, it does feel like they did have it. She just thinks it wasn't it. And, and then she, th- she always thinks it isn't enough. It really does sound like as well that he made a huge effort yeah. to keep her yeah. and to woo her. And, you know, he he would read certain books and be yeah. interested in certain yeah. things so that it would impress yeah. her. Whereas- I really got the impression that he was trying to be a better person oh, okay. to kind of um, mm. seduce Jane Fonda. But, yeah, he was another man who was very like her, very damaged, very, very damaged from a really messed up childhood, who just went... I've got to do, I've got to achieve, I've got to work, I've got to investigate, I've got to never stop, no off switch. Massive energy, really charismatic, wrapped, swept her off her feet. But they're both running from themselves. Mm. And around the time they were running together, brilliant, and then she realised she was still running away in some ways. So she slowed down to take the time to look at herself properly, but he didn't. He right. would join her on that. And mm-hmm. that's where they sort of left each other. They're still together for like 10 years. Yeah. But nine years in that he had an affair didn't he oh well hang on a minute the first two years he wasn't even monogamous and very I mean, open he couldn't about even it. say monogamous he, he said He's magnanimous <laughs> <laughs> then later on he, he said it the other yeah, way around, it the other way around. <laughs> yeah <laughs> he couldn't even say it literally couldn't say the word and literally dropped her off at an airport to go and meet so he, could, he had some woman with him every single night so if she couldn't make the whole full schedule someone filled in because he couldn't be alone wow. and that's essentially why she gave everything up because she wanted to be his woman yeah. and she wanted to be magnanimous yes she wanted to be magnanimous <laughs> and, and monogamous, monogamous. Yeah. <laughs> reading the book in that chronological order and then getting to that is like you do yeah. what yeah but it's yeah, it's it easy for, for us man. to say you know you look at a picture of him you look at words and it's you probably had to be there yeah probably had to be flown to this and meet the president and meet Gorbachev Mm -hmm. and hang out with Castro in Cuba and get swept off to this and that and especially as she'd just been with a more of a lefty that wanted to live communally and not have any trappings of wealth to suddenly still have the really righteous meaningful change the planet thing but in this really wealthy a whirlwind of a yeah, life totally into the different arena. but still yeah. doing good yeah but you get to live the life do you know what i just think to. she's always thirsty for a new experience yeah. isn't she yeah. and it's like even though to us it kind of seems madness to settle down and give your for who life she to was. a man yeah. yeah for where she was coming from at that point yeah to but, go, i'm a feminist yeah. i'll give it all up for a man <laughs> yeah but to her it makes total it didn't even yeah. make sense to her children it did but i she was working with him as well she was working with him she had yeah. a role she does literally say that he talked so much and it was so fascinating but if she talked he kind of glazed over. He couldn't right. really listen or absorb anything she said unless it was about something he was interested in. Right. I've been there. <laughs> it's not cool. It's really not cool. And if you let yourself be with somebody that doesn't really doesn't value you, ultimately, if they don't listen to what you say, then you lose yourself. I love that you've got so much personally out of this book. Oh, massively. Yeah. Yeah, I never expected. Jane Fonda will connect <laughs> with me very directly and intimately. She really did. Certain books she read changed her life. Yes. And literally set her on another path. Yes. She, she cites the autobiography of Malcolm X, yeah, right? Yeah, Of changing her massively. Yeah. I have to say that... I've enjoyed all the books we've read, because I enjoy reading them anyway. Yeah. And I would always say to people, read this or read that. Yeah. 
if there's one book so far that I would urge our listeners really? to read, it would be Jane Fonda. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's extraordinary. Yeah. It and really it's not is. like it's not just a celebrity autobiography. Right. It's a, a lesson it's, in it's history. Like I said, she's deeply researched her yeah. own life, just like a a real writer deeply researches any book they write. Yeah. So she's taken her own book as seriously as she's taken everything she's ever done. Yeah, become a really good writer while and doing it. If you're listening, don't think because we've been talking for an hour that you even know that yeah, half the of half of in this book. There's it's the detail, so which is why we keep forgetting things, yeah. because there's so much Ted, going on. Tim, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's immense. Jeez, couldn't have done more. Yeah, right. She's done everything. She's just done a series, Grace and Frank. Oh, yeah, Frank, Grace and Frankie you, on Netflix. Which I it's just like started watching today. Fourth love of it. season Absolutely by now. love it. Yeah, it's funny. And she played Nancy Reagan, which really works because she looks like ah, her i didn't and, know that yeah she's never going to stop she's 84 she's still acting she's still obviously really fit you can tell in that she's acting like she can't get off the chair up from the chair <laughs> of course she can <laughs> she could leap from that chair and swing from the chandeliers she, this, you can't fool me she's still got it Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Thrift Shop Biography. We love making this podcast and we're absolutely thrilled that so many of you are already listening. You could really help us out by leaving us a review somewhere, wherever you listen to this podcast. And if you could share us, tell your friends about us or drop some links on social media. We have a Facebook page called Thrift Shop Biography. So make sure you come over there to hear about the episodes first and what else we're up to. Okay, see you next week. And if you're new here, there are loads more episodes now to go and listen in the back catalogue. So make sure you go and enjoy them. Okay, thank you very much.